Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Oh, season two of the Two Sharp Reds. We are back in action. I've been sitting here twiddling my thumbs for about two weeks, waiting by the phone to see if Mark was going to message me. He didn't. And until this morning, he did and went, look, I'm ready. Let's do it. Mark, welcome back to season two of the Two Sharp Reds. Mate, pleasure to be back. You know what? I, I just couldn't handle being that much, that much longer away from you, mate. I, I know you had a haircut. I wanted to see your fresh face again. I was hoping you got rid of that little thing under your nose and you seem to have gotten rid of most of it. You trimmed it down. So you're looking fresher. You're looking younger. And I'm excited to be back, mate. And as are you, looking, looking nice and tanned. A little bit leathery if I was to be totally critical, but you're looking good. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, okay. Great way to start season thanks. two, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Straight back to the start, hey? Now, uh, we'll, we'll get back to our, to our normal format pretty soon, uh, uh, as you would be familiar here on the Two Sharp Reds. But one thing I like to always let you do is if you're the intern uh, here on the show, I like you to get to, you get a little special job uh, every episode. And the two special jobs are you get to do the outro um, and you're doing a really good job at that. Uh, well, you certainly did towards the end of last season. But you also get to introduce guests. So I'd like to roll up the red carpet for you, Mark to introduce our first guest of the second series. Just some clarity there. Uh, the outro I had to do because you were, you were shite. Yeah, can't You were shite. You yeah. kept messing up. Um, and obviously introducing the guests. Well, let's be honest, it's always me getting the guests. I think yeah. you've done it once, maybe. Maybe you've got yeah. someone once. Yeah, Aiden Hrustik. And that was it. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's exactly right. Well, listen... I'm very pleased to announce that we've got Adriano Del Monte here. He's been working, he's been my sidekick on um, Champions League tonight on Optus Sport, and he's also been freelancing, gallivanting around the rest of the world, uh, media, and, mate, he's, he's got access to every game. He shows off all the time. He brags about it. He rubs it in my face. And let's be honest, he is a massive Juventus, and more importantly, he's a Cristiano Ronaldo fan. He just talks <laughs> all the time. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it. Let's introduce him. He's here. Let him have a chat and let him turn the way. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Schwartzy. Intern, you've done a great job there. But thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to join the second scene. You have taken me away from my siesta. It was a good tip from you, Schwartzy, to get that in in the afternoon. But no, it's good to be here with you. And just to clarify on where he's at with this, Ollie. I mentioned the other day before our first show on Optus Sport that I do cop a lot of stick online about favouring Ronaldo over Messi. It happens all the time. It is not true. It's just that I work for a number of TV broadcasters covering the Serie A, and so I cover Ronaldo. But it is factually incorrect. So please, let's start and end it there. Are you saying that I've maybe misunderstood what you've said? (laughs) No, no, you didn't. You're spot on. Your spot on. I think the, the Twitter world may have misunderstood where, where my heart lies. 
Now, to confirm, <laughs> you're living in Milan, is that right? But you're a Ventus fan. How does that sort of, how do you operate no, doing that? Let, let's, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. I, my family are from Sicily, the south of Italy. I come from a family with the support across the board, absolutely across the board. Obviously, I was born in Melbourne. But moving over and having worked in Italian football for so long, I, as I explained the other night, my passion is the continual growth of that competition. And that's what I work in. That's what, that's what I do. So I'm very neutral when it comes to the, the work with, with, with my support for clubs these days. Did I get that bit wrong as well? Did I get wrong that you're not a Real Madrid fan? <laughs> you're not a Juve fan? See, I, I'm sorry, mate. I have to. <laughs> Do you guys know uh, each other? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's done a good job. He, he's, he's spot on. I'm just playing the neutral card. How good is it, mate? We get our first guest on uh, for the second series and just immediately interrogate them. No yeah, wonder yeah. no one wants to come on. Well, no, no, for sure. But that, that's what it's about, isn't it? Let's be honest. I have been... Uh, giving Adriano quite a bit of stick um, and little digs about, about Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and, and the fact is, that, you know, listen, there's no more Italian teams left in the competition. Atlanta, Atlanta obviously were flying the flag gallantly and unfortunately missed out against PSG. We were both rooting for Atlanta, I have to say. Um, disappointing that they didn't, didn't make it through. But, uh, yeah, he's, um, yeah, I mean, Adriano is a little bit sad. He, he, he had to pick himself up a, a little bit after Atlanta got knocked out. Um, and, uh, yeah, listen, looking forward to the remainder of the tournament and it's good to see two German teams in it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it certainly is. I bet you're very happy about that. Now, plenty of football for us to dissect across the episode. Can't wait to get stuck into it. But let's uh, do the obligatory wine chat at the start here. Mark, I don't know if you've spoken too much to Adriana about what we do here on the Two Shut Reds and what the format might look like. Good thing is I actually didn't have to t- tell him anything. He actually already knew about it. You know, that's one of the rare times that someone really? comes on the show and actually knows what we do. <laughs> what, and, what, and, what, and what did you know about it, Adriano? <laughs> no, again, that's another fib there. We, we, I, I have, due to where I'm based, I have, been, I have been restricted from watching or enjoying the program. So he's given me no information. I've come in blindly, but I'm very excited. <laughs> well, all right, then I'll run it through you. So here are the two shots. We like to try a bottle of the Burgundy Grape and then towards the end... Of the show, we'll try and compare that wine to a player past or present using uh, emotive words, any flavours, experiences, things that it might remind you of. Um, normally, we share the same bottle, so we've got the same, well, roughly the same experience. Um, these days, we've been just sort of doing, doing our own thing. Um, I was obviously very jealous of you guys being in Portugal, so I just needed some creature comforts, and I went for my favourite bottle of wine. It's nothing too special, but it's the 19 Crimes 2018 and it just makes me feel like I'm home. Southeast Australia, nice and comforting. The weather's turned in London, um, so I thought I'd go for something nice and simple. Mark, I bet you have been trying some unbelievable wines since being in Portugal. We, we have. We've tried a few. I, I, I wouldn't say too many, actually, and I have to confess. Right. Um, we've been going on the big debate about which is the best beer in this country because there there's a big divide. There's Sagres or yep. there's Superbox. And it's very divided on, on, on what people drink. And you either drink one or the other, you very rarely drink both. So we have been, uh, let's be honest, we've been taste testing the beer to try and get a, a proper, be able to do it, give a proper um, assessment of which one is the better one of the two. But yes, we have been drinking red wine as well. And I have been enjoying Portugal, Portugal has some fantastic red wines, I have to admit. And nothing beats nice meal in the evening. Watch the football last night. We watched uh, Seville against Manchester United. 
And it was brilliant to uh, have a couple of glasses, probably too many glasses, actually a couple of bottles of red wine and oh. go with that game. It was brilliant. Look it was a nice it. drop, that Merlot. It was certainly a nice drop. Oh, a nice Merlot. Okay. Merlot it was, yeah. Yeah, it was very, very nice. And have you gone for a wine today at all, Mark? I have. I've gone for a, a Duro. It's a Duro Valley Reserva. It's powerful. It's, one of, it's right up your street game, mate. I'm doing you a favour. I'm yeah. trying to make you feel jealous. It's powerful. It's fruity, well-structured. Um, it's got a lasting finish. And it's uh, oh. perfect for a – well, generally, it's perfect for a cold night. But obviously, we haven't got very cold. It actually does cool down quite a bit. It's very different to Spain. Yeah. It's pretty, it gets pretty cool during the, uh, during the evening. Um, and it's, uh, it normally, normally prefers with a lamb dish, but also does very, very well with, uh, with a very hearty meal. And last night, we had a really nice roast pork. It was a pork oh. knee. Oh, it was delicious. Sure. Yep, sounds good, Mark. Adriano, what have you gone for for your debut episode? Yes, I've gone with a, with a local drop from over here, a Tinto da Anfore, it's called. Now, it's got a, a nice little smoky finish to it, a hint of cherry as well, and deliciously the option, I thought, for my first appearance on the program. A hint of cherry, yes, please. You have really brought something to the table. Absolutely love it. So we'll touch base on the wine throughout the show and then, of course, towards the end, but it's time to get stuck into the football. Uh, I suppose I want to ask you guys who are based in Portugal at the moment, what's the vibe like? What's the atmosphere? Is it weird? What's, what's the feeling? Does it feel like there's a major tournament going on? It's strange. It is strange. It, at times, it feels like nothing is going on. It's still a very interesting time, obviously, in Lisbon, not as badly hit as some other spots in Europe, but yeah, obviously you wouldn't think that there's a final eight of a Champions League competition here at the moment. When Barcelona played though, Schwartzy, perhaps maybe that day was a little different for me. I think there was a number of Barca fans outside the stadium. The police presence I felt was a, a little more enhanced. So perhaps maybe that day, but outside of that, you wouldn't know. Maybe, maybe I got to this game quite early, right? So I actually mm. didn't see fans and then I after the game went outside by the time I went outside literally the game was still being played I mm. hardly saw anyone around there yeah. by that stage so I went out it was 6-2 so I missed two goals as I was going out <laughs> so I in the process I mean I think the Barcelona fans would have left way earlier than that um, it was an embarrassing evening for anyone who's associated with Barcelona Football Club of course but yeah like Adrian has said it's it's weird mate it's very weird the stadiums, it's so easy to get to the stadiums. Normally on a match day, under normal circumstances, it's chaos. It takes ages. Just to even get cabs sometimes can be a nightmare. I mean, you order an Uber and it's like literally there in a minute. If you're waiting any longer than a minute, it's like you're cancelling and getting another one because yeah. they are everywhere. There's no, there's hardly anyone in the city. Restaurants are closing by midnight, the latest. Bars apparently are all closed by 8 o'clock. There's not a lot going on. A lot of hotels actually haven't opened up. Um, so it, it, it's a, quite a surreal experience. And then getting to the game, the only thing that you know where there's something going on is there's, there's, there's always a police perimeter around the stadium. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious something's going on. But other than that, you wouldn't even know. Even the outside of the stadiums, they're not illuminated. So you've got obviously the lights on inside, but normally, uh, particularly Benfica, it's a newer stadium. Normally, it's got a whole lot of lights outside and this whole of the outside of the exterior of the stadium has got all, it's like illuminated. But it's not the case. So it's really, really weird. Do they, do they dress the city up at all in sort of some sort of decorations, colours? Or is it just... There's, there's, just a, there's a one main square which is 
a stone's throw from my hotel, which essentially has a massive Champions League trophy replica there. And with exception to that, there isn't too much else promoting or, or anything for, for the competition or any of the games. Weird. What do you the, the only thing, No, yeah. the only thing I've seen is uh, a lot, a lot of billboards, bus on the, on the sides of bus shelters. Yeah. Um, RB Leipzig uh, players. It's RB Leipzig just trying to promote the fact that they're here That's and right. anything else. Other than that, you don't see anything of any other team. Yeah. So then what, talking about the atmosphere, what was the atmosphere like? I suppose all of the games have held some sort of a twist, which has been brilliant. Mm. So I can imagine, you know, be, uh, when I have been to empty stadiums uh, towards the end of the Premier League, when something big would happen, it was tense because the only people in there were you, you were a stone's throw away from some of the players or the coaching staff and it was uncomfortable. So say that Barcelona game, what was the atmosphere there? I, I would have thought it would, you could, you know, drop a pin and you would have heard it sort of yeah. stuff. A hundred percent. Especially the second half of that game. It was, it was essentially like it was a, a friendly atmosphere. It was an exhibition match in the second half. The game was all over. I've been to five games now. So four here in Lisbon and I went to the Juventus Leon match in Torino. And I'd have to say that match, the first one, given the circumstances, second leg, that had a bit of a feeling in the air. As did the Atalanta Paris Saint Germain one, of course, so dramatic how PSG came back late on. But outside of those two moments, I haven't really felt any buzz or energy in the stadium. And obviously, the, the City Lyon clash was tight, but then City fell away late. Barca Bayern was a, well, again, I still can't believe we actually saw that live. But outside of that, it's been a really bizarre feel. I do think that may change, though, going into the semis. Leipzig. And Leon playing with so much confidence off the back of what they've done, nothing to lose going in. Maybe that will change, but a really bizarre experience. Yeah, it's been it's been strange, isn't it? It's um, it's quite surreal. Um, the stadium. What, what's actually interesting though, when you're there, is that just the the noise you can actually hear. So you can hear all the players talking on the pitch. What was interesting in that Barcelona game? So when when obviously Bayern scored the first one, there was a lot, a lot of cheering from the Bayern staff, their bench, and you hear everything. Then Barcelona equalised, and there was another big roar. So there was quite a bit of that going on. And then kind of like a 3-1 onwards, probably 4-1, there was that normal roar. After that, um, it got a bit, it just sort of went a bit quieter. And Bayern almost stopped sort of celebrating, especially the guys that were in front of us. There was a, there was a group of Bayern um, uh, representatives. I don't know what, part, what, what they were doing with the club, but they were there. And there was about seven or eight of them. And they were very vocal up to about 4-1 and then 4-2. And then after that, they went pretty quiet. I think 5-2 was a bit of a noise. But then after that, there was very little celebrations. Um, obviously, they were excited. They were delighted. But uh, it, was, it was a funny feeling. But I did like the fact that you could hear everything. There was a moment in the game remember uh adriana we, we it was a point where it was the second half and Bayern pushed forward and you could see thomas miller and Lewandowski. they'd moved over they'd come over to the right hand side so Bayern's right hand side and the minute the ball went to 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 barca left fullback you could hear you could hear thomas miller shout now and they just they just closed him down and they just went it was like you could just see that the, it was a, there's a trigger point there's a person who, who gives the indication right this is when we close down and it was so obvious to see and so obvious to hear. And that's the benefit of having no, no one in the stands. You, you get to have those little bit of an insight and a bit of extra information that you normally wouldn't get. What happened we also when, saw in, sorry, 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 we also saw in that match the Vidal and PK have a full-blown argument after I think it was maybe the fifth or sixth goal as well. So 
those things, once buy and stop celebrating, you really could hear. So I suppose a, a different point of view that we haven't seen previously. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the elephant in the room is Philip Coutinho. I mean, what was the vibe there? When he scored that first one, what happened there? Was it just like, oh, no. <laughs> what do we do? Adriana's going to answer this one because I actually left the stadium at this stage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it, it was it was exactly that, Ollie. It was the case of, well, he was a little awkward scoring one and then the next. And it was also the case of him being involved and obviously the fact that now he's likely to return. It was it was very strange. No one, that was where you could hear a pin drop because it was just an awkward exchange, yeah. awkward time. The score's now 8-2. Yeah, that was a very strange way to end a strange evening. It's absolutely madness to think that a Barcelona player out on loan to another team yeah. in Europe is still able to play against you. I mean, it happened, it happened to me when I was at Chelsea and, and Chelsea, we played Atletico Madrid and, and, and Courtois was out on loan at uh, Atletico Madrid. There was this big discussion mm. of whether or not That's Courtois right. was going to play or not and he ended up playing. And there was a lot of debate about it and whether that was right or not. And obviously, we got knocked out by Atletico Madrid and Courtois played his part. So this is another level where Coutinho has an impact late on. Obviously, adds that extra salt in the wounds. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was bizarre, wasn't it? It really was. Strange. Two goals and an assist. Very strange. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose we know about this rule and quite clearly in domestic football, we know that you can't play against your parent club. Does something like this come around, Mark, and now you start to take a step back, you know, actually, that is, that's a crap rule. Like, we need to get rid of that. Oh, I, well, I hated it. Yeah, bizarre. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a UEFA rule they, they have to be able to be able to play or whether it's just a, in the contract, you know, the agreement between the two clubs that they, they haven't had any, anything written in. I'm not really sure. Uh, they actually it, just changed that rule. Very recently, I, they've changed the rule. Yeah, so you previously weren't allowed... To, to play now you are but what what okay. what strikes that maneuver that makes it doesn't make sense to me i guess i guess in the case of a january transfer to then be able to utilize that player because recall when coutinho moved from liverpool to barcelona he was ineligible for the second half of the season in the champions league with barcelona once i believe he was the last player who was impacted by that and now they've allowed it can go ahead but i do feel in that case where a player is out on loan that's maybe where it's a little, it could be a little different. But at this point in time, they've only recently changed that rule to allow players who may have participated with a different club in the first half of the season. There's no more cup tie rule they can play in the knockouts for someone else. Yeah, but that, that, that's, that's, that's right. That's right for players that move in the January window. But Coutinho has been at, uh, at Bayern Munich since the start of the season. So yeah, that's right. So he's his own player. So I'm not hmm. quite sure if there's an existing rule now that that, uh, that UEFA has said, no, listen, they're allowed to play. You can't stop them from playing. I'm not really sure. As we know in the Premier League, it can be stipulated in the contract. And most clubs, 99% of the times, will have it stipulated in the contract to the agreement between the two clubs they're not allowed to play. So I'm not sure whether that's a, a, a legal sort of thing now with UEFA or whether or not Barca just went, no, nah, we don't care. We just want him out the door and, and don't want him here. And I mean, I, I reckon, you know, we all know Coutinho is a, is a Barca fan, right? A kid growing up was a massive Barca fan. And, and I said to you, didn't know, when he came on, mm-hmm. what do you reckon? Do you reckon he fancies scoring against him? And, and you said straight away, yeah. He would have, been, he would have wanted to celebrate. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. So last thing on that game then, before we move on, um, Adriana, did you happen to see Mark when Alfonso Davies got his assist? Because 
<laughs> and I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Mark, is, he's got a little bit of a crush on Alfonso. I mean, it goes probably Emmy Martinez, then Alfonso Davies, then Buffon, in order of you know, his players he loves. So uh, I'd love to know if, you, if Mark ye- yelled out, surely some sort of yelp of some kind? Uh, look, I, I, was, I was in awe of what I was witnessing, so my eyes were firmly on the pitch. But I can tell you, we, we have to wear masks in the stadium. That's another interesting element of what's going on. But I think I did hear beneath Mark's mask a, a, a nice yell. He was, he was very excited. With or licking his lips with excitement. What Davies was able oh. to do, but it was very exciting. It was, again, very thrilling to see not only just that move, but obviously the, the fact that they actually finished it off. But no, I did hear a couple of screams under Mark's mask, no doubt. Yeah, now listen, I, I, I was a little bit disappointed because I actually didn't think he played, it was one of his best games. But obviously that moment, that moment was it was insane. I mean, it was magical. It was magical to watch. Uh, I mean, to, to, to do what he did, the pace, and that—that's what he's about. That's what he's done. That's what he's done the whole time since he's been at Bayern. <laughs> Look at your face. Yeah. Look at your face yeah. when you talk about Alfonso <laughs> Davies. Yeah. It's a bit like you when you talk about, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, Crew Alexander. Yeah, and what your experience is like going to watch Crew. Well, you clearly don't know much about it because you said Crew Alexander, which must be the, the brother of Alexandra, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sorry, sorry. But you're you're bigling. You're, 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 you know. But not, but not sorry to you, but sorry to all the Crew Alexandra well, fans. There's a few out there that listen to this podcast because remember, yeah, you're I'm, right. I'm making there waves. Uh, Adriana, you'll like this for Mark's Christmas present. I'm going to get two sharp reds poster, uh, a big signage at Gresty Road uh, for the next season. <laughs> Uh, which he's very, very nice. excited about. You've got to explain to Adriana where is Cresty Road, because I didn't actually even know where it was so, until now. Yes, yet. please. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, the home of the mighty crew, Alexandra, in crew. The, the well, something that rolled off the top of my tongue, but <laughs> I now know. The footballing mecca. Do you not know this? What's going on? <laughs> Never heard of it. There you go. There you go. So, oh, one tweet that caught my eye uh, and caught the world's eye during the last couple of days was um, after the Lyon game, a seeing Mbappe tweet saying Farmers League, then put the clown emoji. Now, it's a criticism that's been made of the French League for some time. How good is that, seeing such a popular player, such an important player for PSG, just saying congratulations to another team in that country doing well? It's really nice to see that there's that sort of camaraderie with the league. No doubt for me. I'm I'm uh, I'm big on that. I, I think that uh, what Mbappe, what Mbappe is doing there is showing some support. We don't see that often amongst uh, clubs within the same leagues. And I think obviously, given the fact it's a really interesting time, Ligue 1 cancelled their season. The Bundesliga obviously were the first to return and first to finish. And I remember before the final eight got underway, many were saying that the fact that England, Italy, and Spain were playing pretty much until the end will maybe keep them better prepared for the tournament. But it's proven not to be the case. And in the end, look, PSG and Lyon, first time in the history of the competition, two French sides are through to a Champions League semi-final. Good on them and well done to them. And, well, maybe both can go through to a final. Who knows? No. Uh, listen. <laughs> no, no, never say never in this tournament. Talk to you. Yeah, you can never say never. I, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think, I, I think you know, as wonderful as Lyon were in the last round and what they did against Juventus. And this... This is a question I posed uh, to the guys in the studio before the game was, 
was the defeat of Manchester City a bigger a bigger result than when they beat Juve and knocked Juve out? I mean, that's a big question. I don't know what you think, Adriano. Again, we, we discussed this briefly post-match. I think the fact that they were able to defeat Man City in 90 minutes was a tremendous achievement. An absolutely incredible achievement. Do keep in mind, before they played Juve, they played Paris Saint-Germain. So they've played three competitive fixtures since the restart. PSG, Juventus and Man City. Now, obviously, you lost to Juve, defeated Man City, but kept PSG scores for 120 minutes in the Coupe de la Ligue final. So they're as well prepared as they can be, having played three of the best in the world, as they take on now the very best in the world, in my opinion, in Bayern Munich. So again, look, I'm tipping Bayern will win, not comfortably, eight too comfortable, but I think they'll win by a couple of goals. But I think Leon will definitely make a match of it. So Mark, in, in hindsight now, looking at these big results and big shocks, what's the biggest shock for you? City once again bowing out or Barcelona in the fashion that they bowed out? That's a tough one, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Thanks, um, I, I, yeah, for once, for once you've come up with a decent question, mate, because normally they're rubbish. Great. They're not great, are they? No. Um, it's a bigger result. So what's the biggest result for me? Uh, yeah, it, has to be, it has to be the biggest shock has to be 8-2. I mean, nobody in a million years thought that, uh, that Barcelona were going to concede eight goals. I mean, they haven't, done it. they haven't conceded that many goals since, uh, was it the 40s? In the 40s or something, or at least lost by that many goals. They lost seven nil in, in a cup game against um, was it uh, was it better Seville something like that I think, um, but to to lose as heavily as they did listen with with the, the if not the best player one of two of the best players one of the top two best players in the world Be in careful, Messi shorty. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> uh, in Messi so um, you know what they, that has to be the biggest one I mean Man City. Geez, I mean, how much of a warning did they need? They, they're the last of the quarterfinals. They saw all the other results. They saw how teams performed. Don't underestimate anyone. You've got to start with high intensity. What do they do? They do the opposite. And, you know, I think Pep Guardiola tactically got it completely wrong. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a section of Man City fans now who are pretty upset about it. And I, I, there's some people saying that, you know, that it's time for them to move on. And I've even, I've even heard that, you know, I've said this as well. What Pep doesn't do, sometimes you should come out and hold his hand up and go, you know what, I got that wrong. I actually technically got that wrong. And that's why, you know, they should have gone more offensive. They should have uh, played their own game and were okay, like Leon, deal with us. But instead, they were more worried about Leon than their own game. Adriana, do you think that's slightly too harsh? Because when you think about it, one thing Pep can't do is physically control what Raheem Sterling's right foot does. Uh, and if he gets that in, I'm sure they probably would have gone on to win. Yes, I, I do. I, look, I agree to an extent. Well, obviously, they have a, another 30 minutes at least to, to, to go on and do it. I'll tell you what, I'm not sure how it looked on TV, but we were sitting there in the stands watching. At no point did I feel that Leon were under significant pressure. I didn't feel that they were ever not in control of the match. And so, in the end, we were not surprised the fact that they won comfortably. They deserved the win. I agree with Mark in the fact that his approach was wrong. And I think they could have taken the game up to Leon a bit more. I think rightfully so. They, well, they respected Leon. But I think in the end, he got his approach wrong. And I'm very surprised that the, the media haven't come out and really slammed that side of it. I think it's been more a focus of, okay, City have failed again. Now what next? But I think a lot of the blame has to be on 
the manager as opposed to Raheem Sterling's right foot. And clearly, I, I couldn't believe when he missed that. And I do, I really do feel for him. No player wants to be in that position. But yeah, in the end, Leon were in full control and deserved to go through to the semi-final. And again, after having now seen them in the last two matches against teams who on paper are definitely stronger, I, I can't write them off against Bayern Munich, despite the fact they were my tip to win the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. Though. Like, I, don't, I don't agree with what you're saying though, Oli, because I don't think Man City would have gone on a win necessarily because... No, they were 1-0 down. They got back in the game 1-0. Lyon then went and scored. That's so right. they make it 2-2. Two, two, two. Lyon still went on and scored afterwards. Lyon were not dropping off. They were still playing their no. game. They were still a big threat going forward. Uh, you know, let's not forget, he brought on... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, Moussa Dembele, who, who made a massive difference. Cornet was causing trouble all game. So, no, I, I don't agree. I, I felt the way the game was flowing, the, the, the lack of intensity from Manchester City, De Bruyne too far out on the left, should have been in, in, in centre of midfield, pulling the strings. By the time they did move him there, I thought he was partly wasted. I thought he was, he was struggling physically because it, he was covering a lot of ground out wide. Um, and I spoke to him after the game and, and you could see he was completely, like he was beside himself in terms of being knocked out. And it was more, I, I felt, he didn't say it, but I felt it was more about the frustration of how they performed. And, and I think he knows deep down, the way he knows they got it wrong tactically. Um, and uh, if you ask him, he would have said, absolutely, I should have been in the middle. I should have been just in behind uh, Jesus. And I, uh, and, and, uh, I could have been uh, pulling the strings. But unfortunately, um, it wasn't to be. And by the time they moved, it was too late. And also meeting you, though, as well, Mark, that's probably what, you know, flustered him a little bit, do you think, perhaps? No, uh, no, not at all. I've met him a number of times before. Well, the first. Good mates, yeah. Good, good mates. Not like... <laughs> Halftime drinks here on the Two Shut Reds. Thoroughly enjoying my 19 crimes. It's beautiful that the weather has just cooled down a bit here in London. It's starting to rain, so it's starting to feel slightly more like red wine weather. Adriano, are you a wine connoisseur or a, or a fan? Or what, 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 what oh, yes, I'm... Look, I'll tell you what, I've all, even from a very, very young age, I've always been a wine man before a beer man. So okay. I, I'm not going to say I'm a connoisseur, but I certainly do enjoy my, my, any wine, red or white. Now, it's a dream of mine this year. One thing that I really want to aim for, and it's beautiful now that we know that you'll be based in Milan, is to go to Italy and do a show from mm-hmm. a vineyard. Uh, so oh, I don't well. know enough about the maybe... Does that sort of region around Milan, is that sort of known for its wines or is it a different part of the country? Beautiful wines all across the country, particularly though my favourites are in the Tuscany region. Some very, very nice wineries I've spent some time at before, so we'll, we'll certainly look after you when, you when you come over. Just keep me posted. Or, Mark, we try and go to Pilo's Vineyard. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Good luck. Also. Uh, why not? Why oh. not? Why not? Oh, do you not I, want I, to do that? <laughs> I'm not for- <laughs> Not for anything. 
So now that we know that Adrian is so well connected at Juve, that you know, yeah, difficult. That, that that's true. That that's true. We can we can see what we can we can arrange with with Pirlo and Juve. How good exactly. would that be? I'm sort of picturing like, uh, do you remember after Spygate uh, with Leeds, Marcelo Bielsa held that weird press conference where he sort of just ran through all the you know stats and formations. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Things. I picture it like that, but it's all of us just having wine at Pilo's uh, vineyard and he's just telling us where he got things wrong. I think that'd That's be brilliant. Done. <laughs> I still can't believe he's the manager of Juventus, by the way, but we can question him on that on the next show. Well, no, let's question. Let's question you now. Are you? Uh, is it one thing as a as a fan of a club? This is one thing that that um, we would have over Mark, and it's one sort of interesting dynamic that that Mark and I don't have. Is that I am a football fan, and and as you are, as you say, of Juventus, and I've always been hesitant. I've, I um, support Arsenal, and have Mikel's slightly different because he's. I wouldn't say he's a legend of the club. You know, he was a really good servant. And a really good player, but you know the thought of a Thierry Henry or a Dennis Bergkamp or someone, and then and then resenting them when they start to to not perform yeah. is scary. Is that possibly a seed in your in your head at all? Uh, again, honestly, personally, uh, for me, from a work perspective, there's no seeds, there's no issues. Okay. I, I think the, the best indicator of Pidlaw becoming a coach for Juventus, uh, with regards to what you've asked there. Immediately when the news was broken on social media and Juventus did confirm that he was named coach, all of the comments on the social media platforms were all about, we wish you luck, but please don't screw it up because we idolise you and we do not want that to change. And I think that exactly as you said there with Arteta, well, here, Pidlaw, Pidlaw is clearly one of the best Italian players who's ever touched a ball. And the fact that he only very recently retired, the fact that he has not even managed an under-10s kid's side. His first team talk in, well, exactly a month tomorrow will be to Cristiano Ronaldo, most likely, and Juventus. And it is very tough to comprehend how Juventus and the directors have come to this conclusion. So, look, from a, from a football fan perspective, of course, I wish him luck. But, yeah, I'm sure there are many out there who are hoping it goes very well for him because they don't want to start within two, three weeks, hashtag piddle out, and then all oh, of a sudden that, his, his reputation is tarnished forever. One thing that I love in, in this world of, of broadcasting, things can go wrong. Uh, I, Adrian and I host a, an AFL program, and the other day the, just the technicals were all wrong. My mic wasn't on. The thing, I didn't know if I was on air or not. It was an absolute nightmare. Things go wrong. But I saw something that really made me laugh uh, of you, Mark. Of uh, me, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. yeah, yeah, surprise. Uh, the show that you two have been doing is absolutely brilliant. So, of course, streaming on Facebook uh, with Optus Sport, uh, sending you, you, your video questions, which is a, a great little uh, addition for the show. <laughs> um, but the first one that I watched, there was a question from a lad uh, called Omar, and uh, <laughs> your microphone was still on, Mark, and you were going, what's Omar saying? I can't... I can't hear him. What's Omar saying? And it was over the top of Omar's question. So I don't even know what Omar was asking. And it was yeah. one of the best That's bits very good. I've ever seen. It was brilliant. See, I, so we didn't know that, see? We didn't, I didn't even know that. They didn't tell didn't. us that actually our microphones were still alive. So you're the first person to actually tell us that that happened. It I was, remember the moment. I remember yeah. saying, what is Omar saying again? 
what are you saying again? Because yeah. there wasn't enough time for us to go on our phone and check what it was because we had the video. So they went, oh, I don't know either. I couldn't hear it. So the producers even saying, I'm not sure. I couldn't hear it. Okay, just just go on about something generic. So, yeah. <laughs> so that happened. So he heard it. <laughs> oh, he heard it, Swartzy. It's all good. <laughs> Everyone heard it. Now we're finding out. It was That's brilliant. Good. And and to still to this day, we'll never know what Omar had to ask. So Omar, if you're listening oh, to this podcast, please send your question in so Mark can can you know give it the time that it deserves. Absolutely. I, I mean, we we you know what? I will find what Omar said because I know what Omar said. I've got it. Really? Do you know? <laughs> I've got. I will know. We have I, it somewhere. I, before, this, before this podcast is over, okay, I will have it. All right, well, you get stuck into that, Adrian Arno, and I will get stuck into the Europa League. It's been great having uh, you know, these two competitions going on at the one time. How good would it have been, of course, if the Europa League was also in Portugal and there was just games on all the time? You guys wouldn't have a chance to sleep, but it would have been a lot of fun. Let's start with uh, the shock. That, well, I don't know if you could say shock. A little bit of a shock with Manchester United. Um, there's a couple of, of touching points um, I want to go over. Mark, I do want to ask you about not not starting Romero, which was which was a bit of a bold move considering he's played all those those cup games. Um, I just want you to have a think of that. But Adriano, um, Bruno Fernandez, if he doesn't score penalties, is he? What's he doing? Do you, like what he, he's brought some. He, he's very. I know the numbers obviously in favour of of the penalty, but look. He he has brought a, a sense of of direct play out of this United side. He's really taken them to that next level, and things have started to click. Players around him, after his involvement in the club, have have risen as well. And unfortunately, they came up short last night. But I've said on a few broadcasts I've worked on in the last twenty four hours about exactly this. In the end, okay, United, they lose three semifinals this season, which is obviously not great. The fact that they couldn't go on and win it. But surely, given where Manchester United were 12, 18 months ago, surely this is a massive tick, given how far they've come along in quick time. And, okay, Bruno Fernandes may have scored a few too many penalties this season, but so have many others around other competitions in European football. And I, I think overall, I'd be very pleased if I was a United fan going into next season that there is so much room to, to grow and improve. And I'm excited for them because I think they could very well challenge City and Liverpool next season. I don't know if they can go all the way, but I think a big tick for this season. It's an interesting point you bring up because I suppose, yeah, it's a negative that you lose three semifinals, but it's a positive mm. that you're in three semifinals. Yeah, absolutely. Which absolutely. is brilliant I don't know how I feel about challenging for the title. I think that will be, that'll be interesting. It'll be fascinating. Um, but, Mark, the, the, the goalkeeper situation has been something we've touched on most weeks now. Uh, was that a surprise that De Gea started? Yeah, 100%. I'm very surprised he started. I don't understand why he played Romero last round and not playing him into playing him in this stage of the semi-finals. Um, listen, De Gea couldn't have done anything about the goals. There's no doubt. I don't think Romero would have possibly made a difference had he started. But the fact he didn't start, I thought that was I, I thought it was a I thought it was a poor decision for the manager. I have to say because Romero's been 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 brilliant every time he's played. His his clean sheet record is excellent. Clean sheet in the quarters. Didn't play him in the semi. Strange. Very, very strange. What do you think would have gone on? Because it was clear that there was a, a pattern in a system there that made sense. You go, look, to, hey, you're not performing. And also, Romero's, you know, started all the cup games anyway. So, it made sense. So, what would have... Yeah. Been? 
I, I think they, they're under pressure, aren't they? Because Dean Henderson's applying the pressure. He wants to play. He wants to come back and be number one for Manchester United. He's played very, very well away on loan at Sheffield United for the last two seasons. More importantly, this last season in the Premier League, you know, Sheffield United were, were outstanding to accomplish the, the, the position on the table that they did this season, to, to be in and about the Champions League positions for so long, which was, was remarkable. Um, had the season continued as normal, who knows? They may well have finished in a European place with the home support, with that momentum. Um, lockdown obviously changed a lot of things, but still, they were very, very good. So I think Solskjaer has to make a decision. and what, uh, you know, I think there's a lot more to it. I mean, De Gea, they're not giving up on De Gea, obviously. De Gea has signed a new contract and he's on fortunes. If they were to take De Gea out of the team now, where does he go from there? If they bring Henderson back and say, right, he is now our number one, what do they do with De Gea? They end up with another Sanchez. They end up with a player that's on 350, 400 grand a week and there are no takers or, or, or no takers anywhere near that amount of money. So you're going to be stuck with a player not playing him on fortunes. You would imagine, though, Adriano, that you could probably find a team that maybe wouldn't be willing to, to not only pay the transfer fee and his wages, but you could, pop, you could probably find a suitor uh, that would be happy to pay his wages on a loan deal for at least a, a year. Look, I think a suitable option may be something similar to what Inter and Man United initially agreed with the Alexis Sanchez move. You've got a player on massive money who wants to play, who may not be guaranteed to play. It's about finding that potential club. Who that would be at this point for De Gea, I'm not sure. But I do think an interesting discussion point to, to keep in mind at all times when we're looking at transfers in what will be a very strange transfer period given what's gone down in 2020, of course, is the fact that a lot of these clubs will not be able to afford the, the wages, let alone the transfer fees of these players. And therefore, I think we will see a lot of players who in a normal season would definitely have moved on. I think we'll see them remain with their clubs purely of the fact that, well, there may not be a swap deal as an option. And I think that's what a lot of clubs will be looking to do. But who knows for De Gea? De Gea needs to be playing. He's not getting any younger. I still think he, at his best, he, he's good enough to be at the top, but obviously hasn't shown it consistently enough in recent times. He'd still be Spain's number one for you though, Mark? No. No, I, I can't what? see it. You know, the thing was, there, there was a big competition between between um, Kepa and De Gea for, for Spain's number one. And, and, and I don't think either of them are, are, are worthy of that position right now. I think, you know, the problem is they just haven't performed either of them consistently well to, to, to warrant being, you know, to being uh, a national team goalkeeper of that level, of a, of a country of that level. I mean, Spain, if you look around, Spain don't have a lot of riches in terms of, in terms of goalkeeping position. They've struggled. You look at the top, the top three clubs in Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, they've all got foreign goalkeepers. And, and, and they have had for, for quite a number of years now. Uh, I think the third goalkeeper for the national team is the Athletic Bilbao goalkeeper, Unai Simon. And, and he's had a very, very good season. So... If anything, right now, this is his massive opportunity. He finished the season quite strongly. So this is his massive opportunity. Unfortunately for him, there's not been internationals. Um, and, and that's been a, a downside for him. And it's enabled, it's given time to Kepa and De Gea to try and re-establish some form. Um, but, you know, for, for Kepa, 
I don't know. I, I think Chelsea will make a decision. I think Chelsea will bring another goalkeeper in. They don't have the same problem. Like I know they paid a lot of money for him. They've paid a world record fee in goalkeeper for a goalkeeper, but he's not on huge wages like like De Gea. There's no, I'm not saying he's not on big money. He, he probably is, but he's not on the levels of, of De Gea. So for Chelsea to 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 move him on if they feel like they need to, it's not going to be that big a deal. I don't think that it's it's feasible. So if they were to go for a Yano block, a Yano block and, and wanted to do an exchange deal, they may be able to quite easily then say to Atletico Atletico Madrid, okay, we'll swap plus give you some money if you take Kepa and we'll take Yano Black, for example. They may, you know, you don't know. They may be open to it. They may not. Uh, it certainly will be pretty fascinating to see what the transfer window looks like. One pretty decent name uh, that's already moved on um, and coincides with an absolutely scandalous text message that I received from Mark Schwarzer. I couldn't believe this. It was, of course, after Willian moved to Arsenal and Mark sent one of the most... I mean, it's, it's a surprise TMZ haven't got hold of this text message because it could make big news, but he sent an image of what was called the Chelsea Retirement Club uh, and it was sort of an altered uh, Photoshop version of Willian, Petacek and uh, David Luiz uh, in their, their Arsenal gear. Now, um, I said that that was maybe 80% true, but Mark, you reckon it's 100% true? Uh, Adriana, what do you think? Hey, I like it. I've just, received the, I've just received it here. Very, very funny. Very good gear. Scandalous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we've, we, we previously had Agent Check in infiltrate uh, Arsenal Football Club. Followed by Dub and Louise, and now William. I mean, it's 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 working remarkably well for for Chelsea. You have to admit. Yeah, FA Cup um, went well. Yeah, no, Agent Louise was brilliant, wasn't he? Well, he did play well in the FA Cup. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did play very well. Um, but you know, we're talking about the Europa League last last. Oh, uh, last can you gotta uh, let it go, Mark? He, he brings it up all the time. Yes. <laughs> what do you What do you mean, let it go? I'm not letting it go because because Chelsea won. Yeah, well, I know, but it's like it's just relentless. We're, just, you know, they lost, it's, it's a like, European title. It doesn't get better. Well, yeah. It could do. It could. It could be better. Yeah, it could. It could be a little bit better. But you. I, so I. I look. I. I. The joke's very funny and it is accurate. But Willian, I don't think is. I still think he's probably got two years of being really, really good. The interesting yeah. thing is, in his um, first interview with Arsenal, I was fascinated to to see when the interviewer said, "Where do you see yourself fitting into the side?" And he was pretty honest and just laughed a bit and said, I actually don't know. Because, I mean, it's definitely Arsenal's strongest sort of area on the pitch. One thing I would say, though, Adriano, is he has played in the middle, uh, attacking sort of midfielder role, which would be perfect, really, for Arsenal, considering, we, you know, that at least if Ozil doesn't leave, he'll might be playing. And it, that could be where he probably finds himself. Yeah, it, look, it's... Arsenal's transfers in in recent seasons, obviously Pepe on big money, Willian coming in now. I don't see the direction. I think I think they're all great individually. Let me put my hand up and say I've always been a massive Ozil fan. I don't know what you think, Ollie, but I've always really, really, really enjoyed watching Ozil play. I know he can be frustrating. And I know he's he's worked well in in formations where he probably hasn't had to defend as much, but 
look, I'm, I'm a little puzzled and concerned by, by the direction of the signing and what their plans are going forward because I don't see... Yes, well, I, I agree. I think he's got a couple of years still. I think he's a very good player. But will this be a signing to take Arsenal to the next level and back to the Champions League? Probably not for me. Listen, I, you know, he, seven years at, uh, at Chelsea, two Premier League titles... Uh, did I mention he won the Europa League with Chelsea last season? As well, <laughs> but more importantly, I think we need to listen to what Omar said. With the way Diego Simeone played yesterday, I mean, parking the bus, do you think that's finished from football? You see, like Jose Mourinho trying to do it. It's, I honestly think it is finished. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Well, that is a ripping question from Omar there. That's... So, there, there it is. <laughs> It's out. We know. We know what Omar is saying. Okay. Well, then, to, to finish off the, the first uh, return episode, Mark, you probably should, should give Omar what he deserves, and, and that's an answer. doesn't have to be a good one, just an answer. Um, is parking the bus done and, over and done with? No, it's not. It won't be, because managers and teams will still do it, because you can only work with the players that you've got. Uh, should should Diego Simone change his tactics? I think definitely. He's got players more than capable of being more attacking-minded, keep elements of the defensive side to it, but they've got to go forward more. Joel Felix, he's right, phenomenal player, made a massive difference when he came on. And it's a shame they didn't start with him because had they started with him, the, the, the game, the result could have been completely different. Well, there you go, Omar. Uh, beautiful answer there. Beautiful question. Keep them coming through to Optus Sports. We love We love it when we can hear the questions. We absolutely love them. Uh, but uh, that's we're sort of coming to the end of, of the, the return episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Um, so this is the part where, Adriana, we look back on the wine that we've tried throughout the episode. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, though. I will, I, I will be honest, in, it was a, a, an easy option for me. It's, you know, I just I know I like this wine and, and really wanted to have it. On, uh, on Monday evening, so it wasn't anything particularly special. Um, but I'll, I'll go first, just so you can get a bit of a sense as to what we do. Because uh, so, I will admit, when people find out you try and compare a, a bottle of wine to a player, they go, what the hell are you talking about? And it doesn't make a lot <laughs> of sense. That was my first thought. Yep, that, with good reason. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll, I'll show you. So very simply, this wine is strong. It is like a... Proper Shiraz, which is my sort of thing, and it is seriously, seriously strong. Like I probably could only have maybe two glasses before you go, right, I've, you know, I've had enough. But in particular, it's so strong at the end. So it's as you're at the back of your throat, in particular, not the sides of the, or the tip of the tongue. It's right as you, you're about to swallow the, the glass. It's, that's where it's at its strongest. Uh, so by that, I'm thinking someone who's incredibly strong, but towards the back end. And I think of only one person at the moment. He's probably my Alfonso Davies, and that's um, Adama Traore. You know, but towards the end of, um, of the restart as well, being able to utilise him towards the end of the game and that strength and power was so just intoxicating to watch. Uh, it really added to what was a, a really brilliant wolf side. So I'd say this glass of the 19 crimes is Adama Traore. Have you, have you heard the commentary for the Europa League game against Sevilla when, when uh, Adama Traore gets the ball in his, in his own half? And he I says, Traore's got the ball. And it's... That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
Uh, off, off you go, Adriano. Have you got someone? Can you? Yeah, I abs- absolutely do. Absolutely do. I, I get how it works now. So I had the the Tinto done for a local uh, red from here, from Alenteo in in Portugal. Was I, I mentioned earlier a smoky finish with a nice sweet succulent cherry taste. Now it's funny you mentioned Alfonso Davies because when the sweet cherry, a bit of class. Not very hard to, to dispossess, and, and, and the smoky finish combined with his very smoky speed related me to, to Alfonso Davies and that beautiful assist mark that we saw against uh, Barcelona to set up one of the eight or whichever one it was. So, Alfonso Davies for me to, to get my debut episode underway. Brilliant, well done. You've just killed Ollie, like, Ollie's was <laughs> rubbish compared to yours. Your description was far, far better. You've only done this once. Oh, he's been doing like, what, what have we done? Maybe 50 of them? I don't know. Just explain. <laughs> but, Beginner's luck. Yeah, you got to, mate, Ollie, you've got to up your game, mate. Well, you got to up your game. You're too kind because I know what you're thinking. Because you're thinking, if, if I had said that, uh, that answer that Adriano said there, you'd say what? You're saying it's the best wine in the world. <laughs> that's what you're thinking, <laughs> I'm isn't it? I'm not saying it is. Yes, that's the best well, young I'm wine. Not saying- no, it's the best. If he'd if, listen, if Adrian had said, if he'd actually just said there, it's one of the best new world wines that I've had, I would just go and see new world, new young player. Yeah. Absolutely works spot on. Just almost got, I think he's got a nine out of 10. You, you only probably got a five. Thank you. Very good. All right, then. Well, Adriana, let's get our notepads out for Mark's go. Let's see how we yes. do it. I'll take this. So, mine's a, a Duro Valley Reserva, Quinta da Rosa. Uh, Ali, again, it's, it's kind of like leaning toward your type of, uh, uh, of red wine, powerful, fruity, well-structured, uh, and a very lasting finish. So it's very fresh and it's lively. So when I'm thinking about a player that I – actually, a player that I played with always was lively on the pitch, um, fresh most of the time, but lively. Full on the palate. This guy was at times a little bit foolish. Could have been uh, – at times was – there were question marks, maybe carrying a little bit, maybe a couple of kilos over. Probably not, but it was unbelievable. But he was always elegant, as is this wine, always elegant. Very long-lasting, um, but, but also had a very delicious finish. This guy played a long career, and he had a very, very good finish. Scored a lot of goals from midfield. Absolutely wonderful player, arguably one of the best players to play in that position. And uh, I'm wondering whether you already know what I'm talking about, Ollie. I think you're I nodding do. Your head. Yeah. Who is it? Is it little Frank, Fat Frank? Frank Lampard it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about fresh. I think you lost me there. But other than that, look, I'll... I'll uh, no. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. That was pretty good. Because what I'm... Yeah, fresh when he broke onto the scene. Very fresh. Oh, what? He was fresh 25 years ago. That doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> What, uh, what I liked about that, though, is there was more than one aspect to it. So I'll, I'll heed your, your criticism for, for next week. Um, I probably need something other than just strong and yeah. better to <laughs> the back end. So, all right, I'll, I'll cop that. Now, Adriano, thank you so much for being uh, on the episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Is there a game in particular coming up? What's the one that you're going to be attending uh, with Mark that you're most looking forward to? We're attending them all. Are you confirmed, Mark? We're, I've been confirmed, so I'll be at all three. Um, no, I'm not confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> well, I'll, be, I'll be at all three. Obviously, looking forward to the final. But I think from the semis perspective, 
I'm intrigued to see how the Bayern Leon match plays out. Just having watched Leon's last two games live and also covered their final against PSG in the Coupe de la Ligue. But I think both will be very exciting and let's see how we go. Hopefully we get a good final. And Mark, if you can manage to scalp a ticket outside the stadium, what will you be looking forward to seeing? I think both both semi-finals are great. I think you know you've got two two massive names in in, in the uh, in either of the uh, or uh, one in each of the semi-finals in, in Bayern and PSG. No one, I think you know people kind of you can go yeah okay kind of definitely Bayern expected that PSG yeah big big club big names. Obviously, the two that no one ever expected to be there was RB Leipzig and and, and Lyon. So I think it gives us a bit of everything in both of those semi-finals. Freshness, you know, the, the maybe you're changing the gun a little bit um, to to well-established big clubs, and I think both semi-finals are going to be very, very entertaining and and and, and great. I, I can't wait for them, both of them. Hopefully, I get to watch them in the stadium, and if not, I'm hoping I'll, I'll get my door, my foot in the door for the final. I'm sure you will somehow. You do. You're, you're good like that. You're sneaky. Uh, Mark, would you like to do the outro? Yeah, well, that's all we've got time for today. And I'd love to thank uh, Adriana Delmonte for, for coming on the show. Fantastic. Um, our first episode of season two, which has been brilliant. And, uh, mate, we're getting so close to getting together, the two of us, to finally drink, you know, our, our club, a couple of glasses of red wine, if not bottles of red wine, uh, particularly on the first one. So the first one we get together could be messy. That's all I'm going to say. And not, 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 and not Lionel because he was poor the other night. This is going to be the new Messi. You know what to do. You can join the Facebook group, Two Shut Reds by Optus Sport. Leave a review. Uh, leave a few stars on, on the old podcast because, as you all know, it's getting a bit out of control with Mark's ghost accounts uh, leaving reviews on the show. So please do that. And uh, same time, same place next time on the Two Shut Reds. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 